My name is Pat Wingert. I graduated from the university in 1977. When I was at the University of Illinois, I was the editor-in-chief of the Daily Illini in 1976-77 and a journalism major. I worked at the Chicago Sun-Times, the Chicago Tribune, and then I spent 25 years at Newsweek magazine. For our 150th anniversary here at the Illini Media Company, we are sitting down with 20 talented and successful alumni to talk about their experience at the University of Illinois, the Daily Illini, WPGU, and the Ilio Yearbook. On April 9th, we inducted all 20 into the 2022 class of our Illini Media Hall of Fame. Pat Winger went on from her time as editor-in-chief of the Daily Illini to work at the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Tribune, and a 25-year career as a correspondent for Newsweek. Wingert was named a Spencer Fellow at Columbia University, where she spent a year researching and writing about education. She's currently a reporter for the nonprofit Hetchinger Institute on Education and Media. Today, WPGU News correspondent Owen Henderson speaks with Daily Illini alumna and 2022 Illini Media Hall of Fame inductee Pat Wingert. Can you tell me why you chose to attend the University of Illinois? When I was a senior in high school, the best college newspaper in the area was the Daily Illini, and that's where I wanted to be. I also came from a big family, and we didn't have a lot of resources, and the University of Illinois was an incredible bargain. Tuition was less than $500 a semester, and I was able to save money working a part-time job in high school so that I could pay most of my tuition and room and board out of my savings. I really needed to do that because my parents didn't have much money to help me. What made you want to join the Daily Atlanta once you got to U of I? It was really intimidating walking in there the first day because it was a real beehive of activity. In those days, the Daily Illini was the main student communication media. And there were so many ads in the paper because so many local businesses wanted students to see their businesses that the paper had a budget of over a million dollars. We had more than 300 staffers. The newspaper could be well over 100 pages every day. It was a very exciting and intimidating place to come into. And the idea that this million dollar operation was run by students was just thrilling, frankly. Once I was in there, I realized it was a very eclectic group of brilliant and talented people. You got opportunities to do all kinds of things that I had never done before. Different kinds of stories, getting a chance to learn to copy edit and edit stories, photograph stories. I learned to assign stories and I got just a tremendous amount of support and encouragement and a lot of blunt criticism from my fellow staffers that helped make me a better journalist. You were at the Daily Illini in the 70s, right after Watergate, Vietnam War. What was it like to work there during that time, especially? It was really exciting to be there during the post-Watergate period. Woodward and Bernstein had written all these amazing investigative stories that had helped bring down a corrupt president. And for all of us idealistic students, the idea of going into journalism and using that to try and make the world a better place 
seemed to have endless possibilities. There were still, you know, the remnants of Vietnam protest on campus. In fact, when I became the editor of the Daily Illini, the editor that was leaving showed me the secret stash of photographs the Daily Illini photographers had taken during anti-war protests and said, never let the police get these because, you know, people could be prosecuted for these. So you need to keep these hidden and safe. So there was a lot of civic energy going on. A lot of people were very involved in national politics. Students felt that they had more power than I think they ever had, that their voices mattered. So I think that brought a lot of excitement, a lot of diverse people, a lot of energy to the whole media world. And I think in the journalism school as well. During your time at the University of Illinois, what was your experience like? Where were you spending your time? Uh, what were you doing? I was a normal student in the morning, or at least fairly normal. You know, I would go to classes and I would try to get a jump on my homework. And then in the afternoons, I would go to the daily line just about every day and stay there till 10 or 12. Everybody took turns being the night editor and being a copy editor. So sometimes you were processing copy. Sometimes I would walk into the newsroom and they would send me out to cover a story and write one for that day. And a lot of times I would coordinate with the photo department to make sure that they got the pictures that we needed for the story. Every day was a different experience. You never knew what they were going to send you out to write about. Different kinds of meetings between students and administrators or meeting people in the community who had interesting stories or students who had something interesting to say. And I loved it. I loved getting inside people's heads. I liked hearing their stories. I liked getting to help them feel comfortable with me so they would tell me what was really on their mind, and then trying to find a good way to convey that information succinctly and clearly and with the passion and emotion that I think surrounded it. And that was an ever-going challenge. And so you would write the stories and your editors would say, this is pretty good, or this is really awful. Rewrite it. You got used to that. You got used to the idea that you were going to get constructive criticism of whatever you wrote, but it was all in the name of making something better. You know, I, found, I felt like I learned to grow as a reporter and as a writer, and I developed more confidence in what I was doing. I really needed that before I went out into the real world. It sounds like you spent a lot of time at the DI. Did you have time for anything else? I was in a sorority. My sister and I were both in a sorority. I was in Alpha Phi, and I was known as the Phantom Phi because I just wasn't there very much. It was wonderful in that they planned parties and socials, and it gave me like a whole nother outlet on campus. But most of my time was spent with my journalism friends. So even before the University of Illinois, like what made you decide that journalism was where you wanted to go with your life? I was one of those newspaper nerds that you might have known in elementary school who, like, always was interested in producing a newspaper. I mean, what's kind of weird is I did not know any journalists, and I certainly did not know any women journalists. But by the time I was in elementary school, I was writing a newspaper for my block, the Evergreen News. I would love to have a copy. I have no idea what kind of stuff was in there. I'm sure it was very embarrassing for other neighbors, but I was just interested in what was happening. I got to junior high and I worked on the junior high newspaper and then I got to high school and I worked on the high school paper and I eventually became the editor of my high school paper. I was always very directed 
that this is what I wanted to do. The more I did it, the more I became convinced that it could be a really fascinating life, that talking to other people and telling their stories would be an endlessly fascinating life. And it has been. What was your transition like out of college into the working world? You didn't even know yourself, any women journalists before you got to college. What was that transition like? And can you just tell me a little bit about that? There were a lot of women in power at that time at the Daily Illini, but not in the real world. I mean, uh, there weren't, women were still really struggling to get jobs that weren't nurses and teachers. And even my own mother told me that she didn't think I would ever get hired as a journalist, that I'd never be able to do this career. She just, it was beyond what she thought was possible. And the reality is that the Daily Illini, you had a chance, women had a chance to do any kind of job. And even though when I became the editor of the Daily Illini, there hadn't been another woman since one in the 60s and one in the 50s and a few during World War II, the time that I was there in the mid to late 70s, things really started to change. There were women news editors and women executive reporters. There were two other women who became the editor after I stepped down. And I realized that there was a real change in the stream of of people coming into the top editing jobs were as likely to be women as men from my time there. And the truth was, it was a more egalitarian newsroom than I experienced in the real world for probably another decade. The Daily Alane was way ahead of its time. When I got into a professional newsroom, I was quickly put on a features copy desk There were a lot of women who were still being funneled into fashion and food and feature stories. I really wanted to cover hard news, and I had to really lobby to do that. And so when I finally was able to make that move, they put me on nights. I think they, you know, part of the idea was, you know, you want to cover hard news? Well, we're going to show you what hard news is really about. So there was a period of time when I was working from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. And if there was a big fire or a big news story, I would just have to go out and cover it. And there was only a few of us in the newsroom. I was usually going out by myself, but it was exciting and it was challenging. And I think a lot of us young women reporters knew that we had to prove that we could do this and do it well without complaining because it would open the door for everybody behind us. And that did turn out to be true. But the truth is we had to put up with a lot of sexism in the office in the short run. We had to really fight to get those positions, but we did. We did fight for those positions and we did move up and we did prove our worth. It was exciting to be part of that movement as well. What kept you motivated throughout your whole career? Why did you stick with it? I really believe in the power of truth. I believe in the power of knowledge. I believe in the power of individual stories to change the world. We are always living through history and the stories of individual people help us understand our time and helping somebody feel confident and that you're being honest with them and earning their trust and getting them to tell you about what their real life is like and opening that up to other people is just hugely important and always fascinating. I will say that, you know, I've interviewed a lot of famous people in my life, but the people that really stick with me are people whose names you've never heard of, but who were extraordinary, ordinary people. And 
giving them a chance to share their voice and their ideas and their experience is just a tremendous honor. That has just been constantly rewarding. I always say to young people, if you can find somebody who will pay you to do something you would do for free, that's one of the secrets to happiness. And I have always felt that way about my job. I will tell you that there are there were plenty of times when it felt like it was a real job. I mean, it wasn't always fun. It was sometimes boring. I mean, sometimes you're sitting through boring meetings or you're doing kind of oddball things. When I first started as a reporter at the Sun-Times, they told me that they were going to give me a column. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting a column. And they said, yes, it's going to be on the front page and it's going to be called Pothole Patrol. And you're going to go out with a photographer and find like the worst potholes in Chicago. We're going to encourage people to write in about really bad potholes in their neighborhood. And then you and this photographer are going to go out and you're going to write a story about each of these potholes. And we're going to run it on the front page. This was not like a dream come true, I'll tell you. But it was never boring. You know, it was all most, you know, everything you were doing was different and unexpected. And, you know, the definition of news is kind of the unexpected and being able to do the unexpected every day is really true. What a thing to be told in your job, like, oh, you're going to get a column, but it's covering potholes. Um, yes. right. <laughs> it's not all glamour. Were there any experiences that you had at Illinois that you think best prepared you for your career? This could be like a particular class or it could be a particular professor or an RSO or an internship. Um, Did you have anything like that? In those days, internships were few and far between. And, you know, I mentioned that I came from a big family that didn't have a lot of money. I did not have the money to like go do an internship somewhere like in New York or Washington, D.C. I really needed to earn money for college every summer. You know, I remember like a journalism law class that I took where we talked a lot about libel and respecting people's privacy and learning about what was legal and what was not in terms of writing stories. That was all very helpful to me. News writing classes where we had professional news writers critiquing our work was really terrific. Getting a chance to write and rewrite a story or you know, do real reporting that was going to end up in a real newspaper that was the biggest thrill. Being sent out to cover something that you didn't know much about and having to learn a lot about it very quickly. You either hate it, it feels you know really stressful, or you get the kind of adrenaline rush that I would get. The harder the assignment, the more scared and excited at the same time I would be. I mean, always you're wondering if you're just going to fall flat on your face. You're always worried, am I going to be able to get what they need and this amount of time, you know, you're scrambling to, you know, are you going to be able to find the people who saw the explosion? Are you going to be able to get to the decision makers? Are you going to be able to find somebody at some event whose experience or what they had seen going on is going to give you the kind of lead into a story that will capture your reader and help them understand and feel whatever this amazing event was. And you're always racing against time. They always want the story like an hour ago. It's a lot of stress and a lot of excitement. And either you love that, or you can always go into something else. I mean, you can write about medical things or education things, or, and and I have done that as well. You can write long magazine stories where you have a lot more time to think about each word. 
you know, there's a lot of different kinds of journalism. And, and I have been lucky enough in my career to do a lot of those different kinds of things. I'm not always jumping out of an airplane. And that's good. <laughs> you mentioned those stressful, worrisome moments. Am I going to fall flat on my face or just these really hard assignments? What do you wish you had known before you entered the real world? I wish I had taken more history and more political science because I did not appreciate how much I was going to be writing about history as it happened. All that general knowledge that you get in college, that higher level general knowledge, you're going to use it all, you know, to understand what's going on in a war, to understand what's going on in a neighborhood, the history or the politics of particular areas. You know, I was always kind of scrambling to read as much as I could as I was running out the door and trying to get as much good background as possible. But none of the classes that you take, none of the knowledge that you acquire in college will be wasted. All of it will help make you a more thoughtful person, will give you bigger perspective, will help you see similarities between now and in the past and help you forecast into the future. I think I didn't appreciate that as much. I was really much more focused on really nailing down the skills involved in writing and reporting. And I did not appreciate as much the role that classes played. What would you say your biggest takeaways were from working at the DI, for example, before you entered the real world? The Daily Alane for me was this amazingly generous community of people who thought often in ways that I did about the importance of journalism and the importance of information. And they, we were all really straightforward with each other about each person's work could be improved. I mean, people would be very blunt with you, not unkind, but blunt with you, like this is really not good enough, or this doesn't make sense, or this lead is really boring. That helps make you better. Getting that kind of you know, you do it every day, people tell you what's wrong with it, you rewrite it, you rewrite it, you learn to be better at recognizing good writing in yourself and in others. You learn not only how to be a better journalist yourself, but you learn how to help other people be good journalists and better journalists too, because so much of the journalism world is a real community of give and take. You know, you may be a reporter one day, you may be an editor the next day, and your job in making the paper better is to help each of your writers be the best writer they can be, or the best reporter, or the best broadcaster, or whatever. And I got a sense of all of that at the Daily Line. It gave me just tremendous opportunities to spread my wings and take risks, knowing that even if I failed, I would be able to get up the next day and start again, that they wouldn't lock me out. They would let me in again. They would say that story was terrible or you just didn't hit the bar, but maybe today you'll hit the bar. And that opportunity to come back day after day and try again and be encouraged to try again was really exciting. And to have this group of fellow students kind of all working towards a similar goal, coming at it in a lot of different ways, was just an amazing experience. You worked for Newsweek for 25 years. What was that like? What was your experience like? What was it like working in Washington? It was really great, I have to say, because a place like Newsweek covers all kinds of different kinds of news. 
you know, to be honest with you, the bigger your organization, the better known you are, your access to people, different famous people and not famous people improves. You know, I was able to do a lot of really interesting stories because the Newsweek was only doing the most interesting stories of the week. It wasn't doing every little city council meeting and waste disposal meeting and all that kind of stuff. Not that all those things are important and I've been there, done that, but at Newsweek, I really got a chance to do a wide variety of news stories and war stories and education stories and science stories and stories about the changing family and, you know, all kinds of issues of poverty and immigration. It was a constantly changing kaleidoscope of topics. And for someone like me who really likes doing new things, who doesn't like to do the same thing over and over again, it was just a wonderful place to work and my colleagues were smart and kind and generous and I made some of the best friends of my life working there which is you know amazing wonderful people and I was also lucky in that a weekly magazine was so much easier than a daily newspaper in terms of balancing a family and work it had a more predictable rhythm to it. Um, I had spent many years on a daily newspaper, but I eventually had three kids and trying to raise three kids and doing daily journalism is really hard. And I was grateful that I had this weekly schedule, which was more predictable. It was a great life, I, I have to say. Are there any stories that you worked on in your time at Newsweek that still stick with you? During the Iraq war, one of my editors said to me, there haven't really been any heroes that have been identified in this war. We'd like you to find some heroes. So I started digging through like small and medium town newspapers, kind of casting the story, looking for the right kind of person. And I read this interview in a, in a Georgia newspaper with a Navy doctor who had been a Marine, who had just won, I think, the Bronze Star for heroism on the battlefield as a doctor. I tracked him down and I interviewed him. And within five minutes, I knew this was a man who could tell an amazing story. I convinced him to talk to me over the next couple of weeks and tell me about his adventures on the battlefield, saving lives on the front line. You know, in, in battle, most of the time, the, the medical people are way in the back and the injured get driven to the back of the lines. But because he had been a Marine and because so many people were dying of these IED explosions, he really felt like he needed to be at the front. And because he'd been a Marine, he was comfortable wearing a gun. He was comfortable being in combat. And he helped develop a new way of dealing with wartime injuries. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, I spent many, many hours on the phone. You know, I'd never know when he was going to call. He would just call when he had a few minutes. And that story ended up being a cover story for Newsweek, Hero MD, and it ended up being a book as well. His story was extraordinary. And even my editors told me that they, it brought them to tears. It humanized one person's experience in war. It wasn't the same as every other soldier's, but it was a really meaningful profile. I think it helped make military medicine better. I think it helped people understand what was going on in Iraq better. And it was an amazing story just standing on its own. And those are the kinds of stories that really kind of stick with you. Those kind of things are amazing. I remember when AIDS 
first became known, you know, originally they didn't really know what AIDS was. When the editors at Newsweek began to realize how many people were dying of this, they decided to do a cover and they wanted us to profile every person who had died of AIDS in the last year, track them all down. So I got flown to New York to help with that. That was really tough, finding these people, verifying that they had died of AIDS, and then calling their family and friends to profile them so that the general public would start getting a sense of what had been lost by AIDS. You know, at that time, people were really freaked out by it. They didn't know if it was contagious. A lot of people were still uncomfortable with homosexuality at the time. And I remember calling people, calling families who A, had no idea that their son or daughter had died of AIDS and had no idea that they were gay. And having to try to be sensitive enough and thoughtful enough and open enough to continue that conversation and, and help them feel comfortable enough to tell me more about this person. I wanted these people to be three-dimensional to the reader. I didn't want them just to be a name and an age and a location. That you know, I really felt it was important to humanize this disease because you know it was so confusing and upsetting, but ultimately it was a human experience. We needed to understand it as a human experience. And that stayed with me for a long time because those were a lot of those were upsetting interviews. They were tough interviews, but they were important. It varies so much from the things that really matter. It felt like a privilege to be able to be the person talking to these people. I felt very lucky to be doing that. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really, really do appreciate it. I'm happy to do it.